Hey bro, you wanna collab? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome back once again to Extra Reverb. We are here with a guest that we have wanted to have on for the longest time. Finally managed to track her down. Please welcome... Oh, wait. You know what? I skipped Jacob again. Jacob, are you uh, still there? Yeah, I was hoping that that little intro is for me, actually. I thought you were saying that about me, but that's fine. It's, it's me. It's Jacob. Please welcome everybody's uh, favorite guest, Jacob. Hey, what's going on? And everybody is a uh, current second favorite guest. I'm just kidding. Linz, welcome to Extra Reverb. Hey, hey, glad to be here. I'm glad that you're glad to be here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've been trying to get you on for quite a while. I'm just curious, like, how, how's everything been going for you? Ah, it's how's going pretty life? good. I mean, that's good, I, that's good. Uh, I moved back out to California. It means, why are you dodging us? That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's July 2nd. Uh, there's fireworks going off pretty much right outside my door. Yes. This is going to be uh, yep. this is going to be Jacob's show. But yeah, Lynn's uh, someone that we've kind of seen around on like uh, Owl City fan groups and uh, communities throughout the internet. Yeah. Come to find out, she also produces her own music. It's pretty good. We'll have links to everything that she wants to promote in the description. I believe you also hit like a thousand followers on Spotify recently. Is that true? Really? Ooh, did I? <laughs> oh, you did? Maybe uh, was it a thousand subs on YouTube? I think thousand it was something. I actually don't know about the Spotify number, but there's I know a thousand I did. monthly listeners on if I'm looking now, but okay. maybe you're thinking of that. Which that's that's, that's oh, okay. Insane. Okay, I, I have no. That must be what I. It shows you how much I use Spotify, but yeah, <laughs> it shows you how often I check these things. That's true. He, he literally did just say he doesn't use Spotify right before he started recording. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, belie I believe... The most I just... I've used is post-extra reverb episodes. No. Well, that's that's a whole thing. I know some speaking people of, for speaking podcasts. Of, really speaking of, really quick our before we get into Spotify, this. Speaking of, our podcast is on Spotify, guys. It's on Spotify. If, if it's on Apple Playlist. It's on Google Playlist. It's on there for no, good now, Google not just... Playlist. <laughs> what? What's I mean, Google Playlist? Google uh, Podcast. It's oh. on... Uh, <laughs> it's okay, on... It's on... Um, Pod Chaser is on um, the pretty beam. much every podcast platform you can think of. It's there. And um, it's on YouTube still. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's not going to be like Joe Rogan. But, um, right. I was going to a deal. Like, I'll, I'll take it. So that's fine. That's true. I mean, we have not gotten a deal. That's our big news. Um, I guarantee Spotify regretted that decision, though. Yeah. Monetary-wise. I have a link tree which has pretty much links to like all of my personal content and then every single one of like the 30 plus extra reverb links is there in my link tree. <laughs> yep. uh, you can scroll through it. It will take you about five hours to get through the bottom of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Anyways. that was fun to set up. Anyways, yeah. okay, enough about us. Linz, welcome once Hello. again. Yeah, I, I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I actually discovered Lens. Oh man, years ago. I was, uh, I forget what I was doing on YouTube, but I stumbled upon your, um, I think it was your Sunburn cover ah. on YouTube. And I was a big fan of it. You know, like the guitar is spot on, which, you know, for me, that's really impressive because I can't do a single song of his. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, you're great at singing. So, you know, I started looking into your music afterward. Awesome. That's really, yeah. 
That's really cool that you found it that way. So to, I guess to get things kind of started, we're just, you know, it's kind of one of the basic questions, but we're just wondering how or when did you get, you know, started making music? You know, what DAWs you start with? You know, what are you using currently? All the all the nitty gritty. Gear tour. All, all the, the nitty gritty. Well, I'm happy to jump yeah. right into that. And thank you guys for having me. This is my first podcast Yeah, ever. thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's awesome. Is it really? Yes, yes it is. For I've real? I've to so many, but… Have you been in many interviews? I'm sorry, but that is extremely hard to believe. <laughs> like, where's the lens love in the podcast world? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> We're creating it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that exactly. works for me. Uh, it gives me purpose. I manufactured you know? all of my hype personally. I made everyone <laughs> fall into no, it. No, it's true. It's true because he <laughs> bought himself um, Instagram views. He promoted his no, posts on Instagram. <laughs> oh, right. The advertising. Yes, I did. That, that doesn't work, by the way, at least for me. So, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> oh. If you, if you want to try it. <laughs> well, then I'm, I'm glad I never did it then. <laughs> I mean, it'll Anyways, give you likes, okay. but… <laughs> okay, but yeah. Um, please tell us, how did you uh, get started in all this, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so just with music in general, I just remember being really like entranced by all kinds of different songs and always feeling like I'm mm -hmm. in a music video. And then just kind of sitting on the school bus, going to school, just like looking out the window, imagining all these things, <laughs> being really right on. into music with my portable CD player. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I remember having one of those. Right. I, I had a cassette <laughs> player too. Ooh, I did <laughs> not had have a cassette player. But this yeah, was dude, that I'm my old. first portable device and then I had so many horrible mp3 players after that I never had like an iPod oh, or iPod touch but I was so jealous really? of people that did but I had the the worst mp3 players the buttons fell off so many times because mm -hmm. I used it so much <laughs> but and then one day I'm on the school bus and I hear this crazy synth line and I was about around in middle school at this time and a lot of radio stations sometimes they do this sometimes they don't they will announce the name of the track and the artist. Right. A lot of them don't, but I heard Fireflies on the radio and they, they announced it at the end. And I just remember that standing out to be so unique. I don't remember ever going home to Google people and songs I heard right away like that. Nothing like that. Yeah. And then I remember going home that day and just going on a YouTube binge and finding like Panda Bear by Owl City and like mm. all these early tracks and... <laughs> from there I uh I, I just really listened listened to it and just always felt like I was in this an another world really which I'm sure everyone could relate to that's into I, it. I do remember that feeling when I first got into it and yeah. uh and then I played some like violin in school I remember if anyone is into orchestra you kind of have the first violins and the second violins and I remember asking the teacher what's the difference and she was like there's no difference and then our first oh. concert we're learning like twinkle twinkle little star and I, I I'm second violin and apparently I'm harmony and I don't know what that <laughs> oh. is and it doesn't sound like twinkle twinkle little star and I just remember <laughs> throwing my violin on the bed and like crying I'm like I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> that's um, an important then, detail yeah <laughs> uh, so I did stick with that throughout <laughs> to the end of high school uh, but a few years later I my, my sibling was taking guitar lessons and uh, one day I just wanted to play bass didn't really have any inspiration for it other than right just, just I thought cool it was cool <laughs> right so I just like started taking bass lessons and met this awesome mentor in my town and uh then around this time, like 
like I mentioned, my sibling was taking guitar lessons and I would just kind of like take the guitar and try to learn Owl City tracks and Mm -hmm. come to find out, I don't know why I couldn't play them because they were all in different tunings. (laughs) But I did my best. And uh, I remember there was a talent show. It was kind of like a talent show, kind of like a talent showcase that my mom was, sorry, mom, but she's not a singer, uh, but she loves music. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I want us to sing this song together at this show. And I was like mortified at this idea. So I literally like taught myself Alligator Sky by Owl City in one day and just played it by myself the next day, just so I didn't have to go on stage with my mom. And that was my first show. And that's- Right on. If anyone's interested, that is somewhere on YouTube. Uh, (laughs) Look it up, guys. And I literally wrote an acronym on my hand to remember the order of the lyrics. I did not do the rap version, but I just did his version. Yeah. But it's quite, it's pretty much like a, <laughs> a lot of lyrics. So I wrote yeah, like an yeah. acronym on my hand to remember the order. That's, that's a bit ironic because the lyrics are about remembering stuff. <laughs> <laughs> remembering to do stuff. Yeah. I love the line, remember to live because you're going to be thrilled to death. Yeah. That is such a great line. You know, off topic or not, that one's a hard thing for me. Like I can't, like pitch wise, mm-hmm. I can't hit, I, I can't hit a lot of his, uh, post oceanized stuff very easily it's still more shouty and i can't do mm-hmm. it like he does it well he opened up his voice i think yeah yeah I, yeah my voice oh yeah very open. trying to emulate that early sound <laughs> my my uh vocal cords would hurt <laughs> yeah uh for sure <laughs> supposedly supposedly he's never had a vocal lesson in his yeah, entire that's what life he said. right so i don't think anybody's ever going to really get to that tone because <laughs> it's it's raw you know mm-hmm I don't know how he's as talented as he is without like all the training and you know I. Just, well, you know. yeah, especially to do a tour like world tours. I wouldn't. Yeah, know, that would that's terrify me. You might even want someone guiding you just for safety, just for vocal, you yeah. know, fake vocal safety. Um, yeah, that's but, true. Actually, I hope he has done at that point. Like that's that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's like. Um, Astrid Gilberto, who sounds the exact same as she did in the 60s because of the way she sings. Mm -hmm. Or like Julie Andrews, who was classically trained and Mm -hmm. therefore sounds the exact same as she did in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Anyways, please continue. But yeah, basically from there, I just, you know, that first video went on YouTube and I was like, well, this is cool. And uh, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. And there's, there's not a lot of big names from there, but the city is just loaded with music and like really talented musicians and so there was a lot of opportunities for me to just keep doing that different talent showcases a lot of uh, benefits for you know fundraisers pretty much a lot of free events little picnics and different things like that and i was like wow i want to keep going go and sing owl city songs and (laughs) post them on the internet and Pretty much from there, just became really obsessed with like learning these things. And, and then the next stage was like, well, I want to record myself. And so, yeah. I mean, my first setup, I mean, I can remember playing with Audacity when I was like six years old and my brother showed me FL Studio, but Whoa. I had no idea what that was. I was like six or seven. But flash forward, uh, I think my first DAW was Mixcraft. Mixcraft. On a PC that right I bought off my brother that had a broken keyboard and then the screen broke and then the USB ports were broken and I didn't Oof. even have an interface. Actually, what I thought I should do is take an XLR to USB and just plug I, it straight yep. into the computer. 
And I made a whole uh, five-song demo EP, which later became Dusk It Dawn, my full album. But I made a <laughs> five-song demo version of that with Mixcraft and yeah. no interface. Uh, I'd love to hear that. I can beat that. When I first started making music, I had a little Radio Shack microphone that plugged straight Radio into the Shack. computer sound card. <laughs> I missed Radio Shack. And that was right. what I made my first recordings on, was, uh, me and my friends rapping. I, I remember nice. that rabbit hole, you know. I remember that, like, I didn't understand what an interface was. And yeah. I was just trying to buy, like, a cheap $50 XLR mic. It's like, I can get, like, this and I'll be fine. You know, uh -huh. I had no yeah. clue what I was doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, that was fun, though. But eventually, I believe I was already like posting some things online and, you know, started meeting other Owl City fans that were also inspired to make music and uh, yeah. learned that maybe I should get a Mac. And so right I got a Mac, got a regular interface, and I was always taught that Macs are just supposed to work. You just plug it in and it works. And I had some kind of pre-Sonus interface where you're just supposed to plug it in and it's supposed to work, but that did not happen. What happened? So I tried every single USB cable. I tried the one that came with it, obviously, and just it would not detect it. And I literally thought I was going crazy. I was about to return it, but I went back to this store that I got it from. And I was like, I've been going through all this. And here I am, like 12, like trying to like tell this guy my interface <laughs> isn't working. <laughs> and he's like, oh, here, he just picked up a cable. And he's like, try this one. And I'm like, okay, but you know, prob I, I've tried like 30 of these. And uh, so I go home and I plug it in and it works. And really? I, huh. I will never really know why that one cable worked, <laughs> but it had a ferrite bead on it, and I don't know if for some reason that just made it work, but I literally guarded that cable with my life for the next Do you still time. have that cable? Uh, well, I no longer have the interface, so by extension, uh -huh. I uh, uh, kind of yeah. let that fade from my memory. That's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I've never needed such a special USB cable. Uh, but <laughs> yes, I and then I had a blue spark. I think I got on a ah, blue spark. Black Friday deal. Yeah, I uh, I used the blue bluebird for the longest time, even up okay. until like a month ago. Uh, I still have it, but nice. I upgraded to a Neumann uh, TLM one hundred three. I'm hoping to still nice. find a way to utilize both of them, and mm -hmm. just I'd have to find what would work for what. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love blue microphones. You know, my first mic, my first real mic was a Snowball. That I got the Yeti, then ah. I got the Bluebird, and you know everyone's kind of like fantasy. At least for me, it's like I got to get the blue bottle one day. You mm -hmm. know, it's like five grand, but Adam uses it. You know, my it, other favorite, yeah. you know, Tom DeLong, he uses it too for like oh, okay. everything. It's like, man, this is the mic. But yeah, yeah, right on. I mean, I th I thought it was cool, but yeah. honestly, if the Spark. The shock mount wasn't very nice. It always said. I am so glad you said that. Cause the blue bluebird shock mount made me so mad. Was... I accidentally broke it in frust not frust oh. yeah frustration. I was uh, I got pliers. I'm like I need you to tighten just a little more. Right. So I tried it tightening it with pliers. <laughs> it and there's like right nothing off. you can do. So I actually just sold it for the AT2020 because this ah. literally didn't have a shock mount. I'm like so traumatized yep. from that other one. I'm like, I don't even <laughs> want one. Just like give me whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I, was trying, I was telling Austin, I'm like, yeah, dude, this, the shock mount's awful, man. Yeah. I don't know. But then the Neumanns is like $200 just for a shock mount. Right. It's just like, God, what world do we live in?
Right. Uh, speaking of Owl City, uh, having the blue bottle, I guess. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's one of your bigger inspirations. I'm just wondering if there's any other musicians out there, so to speak, that's inspired you with your music. Yeah. And I know uh, Dusk at Dawn has a lot of more, um, I, I don't know if country is the genre I would describe it as, but kind of more of a country kind of, you know, obviously acoustic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I was definitely inspired to make music because of Owl City, for sure. I think I always just listened to so many things before that. I like I did grow up with country, actually. My first concert was actually Toby Keith. Uh, oh, so really? I okay. was really into that songwriting, but it, it wasn't like I'm into country. Like I did, I still I'm still like this. I still don't care about genre names or genres. It's like, do I like yeah. it? Do I not? Like, and then the Goo Goo Dolls are from Buffalo. Uh, they're not country, but this. They use a lot of those same open tunings that Adam does. Mm-hmm. And that was also one of my first concerts. So I think Ash. that kind of songwriting also inspired me on top of Owl City plus Sky Sailing. Mm-hmm. The really dreamy yes. acoustic acoustic stuff. Of course. So I think it's just an amalgamation of influences. It wasn't like, I'm trying to sound like this. In fact, I wanted to sound like Owl City, but I didn't know how. And that's when I got into like produ- yeah. producing. And I, it, I mean, I, you know, your own voice naturally develops, but the mind-blowing percussion and synthesis. Was, um, was Take Me Somewhere Nice inspired off of Take Me Somewhere Nice So by Adam? It actually wasn't directly inspired by it, but the name, obviously the name is the same. Uh, right on. But sonically and lyrically, it really, I don't, I wasn't like referencing it in any way Yeah, no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't listen to it. I was like, wait a second. But yeah. I just look at the name. I'm like, huh, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I always get tempted to like steal, not steal, pers- yeah, you know, get like a little bit of like a chorus that I really like that like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of resonated with me and like use it on my own. But at the same time, like, I don't know, that seems a little cheap. Mm-hmm. I always refrain from doing that, uh, at least so far. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I kind of go back to, you know, you getting into music and, you know, you're talking about your mics and stuff. Uh, I was just curious, like, how your setup is looking these days, you know, kind of equipment, if there's anything like highlights that you can think of. And we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Did so, you ever mention what doll you use? Uh, so, I mean, I, oh, was, currently. I was like working way, way up to that. But uh, so when I got this Mac, I also got Logic. Or I don't right have on. that same okay. Mac. But when I got a Mac, yeah. <laughs> I got Logic. Yeah. And that was definitely the first DAW. And and still the main one. Stay, still the main workhorse. But You still really like Logic? I do. But okay. yeah, these days, I struggle uh, with Ableton it. really has won me over in a lot of ways. So I actually work in them about evenly these days. Uh, I was also using Pro Tools before I upgraded to M1. And they oh, just Pro like Tools. ignored the fact that I had bought a license with them before. So still trying to work on that. But... Yeah. <laughs> I've so gone into does. heated debates with Austin about Pro Tools about how mad it makes me. Yes. I hate their I hate their business model and it seems so hard. I'm like, why is this the industry standard? There's so many other good ones. Yes. But you make it sound I'm like very I biased with them. reason. No, <laughs> not necessarily, but you're like, I don't know, dude, it's cool. It does this, this, and that. I'm like, it makes me mad. It is I cool. Yeah. Why. I, I, it's just a hill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think like the, the biggest thing for me yeah. with Pro Tools is how easy it is to edit audio right. in that Pro is... Tools compared to everything else. And that's probably now, Studio why One has gotten standard. good enough to where it can do almost everything that Pro Tools can, mm. but there's still just a little bit of a 
Uh, no, it's like another rung on the ladder. Just one, though. Yeah. Anyways, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, so, yeah, Pro Tools kind of got the memo uh, way too late, I feel, because they About made it M1? really inaccessible for the home studio you, like newbie yeah. to use it or access it, in my opinion. And so it really prompted this proliferation of other DAWs. Which I think is great overall. But I remember like a few years ago, they're like, Pro, let's release Pro Tools first. A, a demo mm-hmm. version that anyone can download. I'm like, congrats. You should have done this like 10 years ago if you <laughs> wanted the staying power. But they certainly right. have staying power for mixing and engineering and audio side for sure. Yeah. I'm sure that bigger studios still use it. But I guess for like personal like home use, it seems like the heavy, yeah, the heavy exactly. hitters are like FL, Ableton, and then even Logic. Yes. Yeah, it's um, a lot more of a headache uh, just for the home home user. Although yeah. we have like you, you have like Charlie Puth and Jack Antonoff producing in Pro Tools, but they're certainly at the high levels. Yeah, yeah. I would never, I would never produce in Pro Tools. <laughs> really, um, people do that, but I would never do yeah. that. Like, how's their like, how's their sequencing? Like, how's it? For it's that? just is that what the issue is. I figure. Yeah, it, it's just too different from uh, everything else. Yeah. I just would like if it's mostly audio based, produce so. in Studio One. If it's mostly MIDI based, produce in Logic or Reason. Love yeah. Reasons MIDI. Uh, see, I I don't love FL Studio with how they do it, and I know it's Fruity Loops for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's set up that way. But I don't know. I, like I, I like more of a straightforward yeah. kind of a thing. I've tried to understand FL like four times, and I even had my friend Sakai like please at my house and explained it to me. And I'm like, wow, this is the coolest thing. And then like tried to use it on my own again. I'm like, I still don't get it. Yep. <laughs> oh, you know what was, at least uh, back when I was using, I think FL Studio 11, uh, recording like uh, anything yeah. with like a microphone. It's a, not very straightforward. It's like, oh, you have to like load up this sampler, yeah. then record it to the sampler, then drag it out to the sampler. Like, I don't want to do that. I just wanted to be exactly. there. Exactly. That's also why I ended up with Logic, the more linear workflow and native yeah. to Apple. Just yeah, Logic's the, the only DAW I have outside of Reason. I just don't know how to use it yet, really. I think I got the demo for Reason because, I mean, it's got popular in my brain because the early Owl City stuff was on it. Yeah, but that's, using that's how it. I discovered Reason. <laughs> but I uh, never dove in that deep. I felt that right. three DAWs probably was sufficient for my workflow at that point. I gotcha. it, and I'm sitting here with four. Really? It's like, what point is like, I don't know, do I want to like struggle learning these other ones or do I just want to be able to make the music I want to make anyway and mm-hmm. like spend more yeah. time doing nope, that? Exactly. You're right. You're right. I've heard uh, I've heard Adam say when he's, when he's gotten stuck on tracks, what he would do instead is drag whatever song he's working on into another DAW Ooh. to experiment with it that way. And I really want to try that idea because yes. that makes more sense. It's less like trying to figure it out more. It's like, I'm just experimenting here. What will work? Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. I, I don't think I've heard that, but that's definitely what I've done with Ableton and Logic. Yeah. Just instinctually. Yeah. Kind of back to that storyline with learning the music side of things and recording that album in my head professionally. Because <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. want to go into a studio. But I was like, I want to do it myself. Um, I just binged so many videos by the recording revolution. Graham, shout out to Graham. And learned so much from him. And re- recorded 
that Dusk It Down album like nine times. Literally, like I would record really? it and then I'd watch another video or two and learn these new things. And then I'm like, oh, I gotta record it again. And <laughs> and it, all in all, I thought it came out quite impressive. Like, I mean, ended I, up yeah, I'm a big pretty fan impressive of it. for like being 16 <laughs> and like yeah. having no guidance. And then I had some That's, friends like do some right collaboration yeah, on it. Yeah, I kind of started the whole music journey when I was 16 years old. And the music I made, you know, my first album was, for the most part, when I was 17. Uh, it's awful, but uh, I was learning a lot. And that's kind of how I met Austin. Not exactly, but that's kind of how we became friends was okay. him helping me out with that back then. Nice. Um, hey, does anybody on Twitter know how to master any music? <laughs> I, I didn't even know what master meant music. either. <laughs> I just knew that was a thing you had to do. Yeah. Oh, you know, I also res I respect how many times you recorded uh, those songs for uh, Dusk at Dawn because recording is my least favorite part of right. making music. It's just so, you know, time is not time consuming per se, but it's difficult. And I have to find the right And I live with my parents still, unfortunately. So it's like, mm -hmm. all right, they're out of the house. Time to record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate recording if there's anyone else in the house. Or noise, just being like a freak. With or noise, yeah, noise that too. Through. Yeah, and then you're not really in the mood. You're just forcing it because, oh, I have to because they're gone. This is my time. I have to force myself to do it now. Uh -huh. Right. I've I've had that shuttle too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Now I have a question. Uh, what led you to decide, you know what, the best way to get content out to my uh, listeners is to stream every single week. Uh, so what made you decide to go with, forward with that? And also, do you have any favorite memories from all the streams that you've done? So the stream, let's see. I would do live streams before this, but very inconsistently, very randomly. Actually, and then I also started doing it because there was this app called Beat Fever that is now called Next Music. And they're like, hey, you can stream on our platform. You can have it go to YouTube and you can have it go to our platform. I just made it public on YouTube too because <laughs> then I was like, well, I already have content here. Mm -hmm. And then there's this book that really, really... Uh, inspired me a lot called The Slight Edge. It basically teaches that literally anything you want to do just breaks down into very microscopic steps that compound over time. And I have a tendency to like feel overwhelmed by like a big thing. And so just breaking it down. And I was like, just kind of picked a time and just decided to stick to it. You know, I'm not religiously there every week if there's, you know, real life happening. But yeah, just decided to pick that time and 7 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays, if anyone is wondering. Mm -hmm. uh, which works out now that I'm in California is 4 p.m. because then I can actually That's do, better, do stuff huh? after, which <laughs> I couldn't do before if I want to see a show or something. But Yeah, guys, be sure to check it out. But I yeah, I just decided to start doing that. And another thing that prompted it was, <laughs> shout out to Graham Cochran again with the Recording Revolution. I was on one of his Zoom calls. He has like a members group with the Recording Revolution. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was on the call and his picture quality looked unbelievable. And I don't even know what anyone was talking about, but I'm like, Graham, how the heck are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he told me about the Elgato card game capture, or not not just game capture, but cameras capture. And I went on the, that the site. The cam link? Yes, the cam link. Yeah. And I went on that site as fast as you humanly could and like looked to see if my Sony was supported and it was. Yeah. It's clean HDMI output. And I was like, my jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, 
wow, my webcams are like, for some reason, webcams yeah. are just like still so bad. And yes, I, I had that issue recently <laughs> of trying to going down that rabbit hole. I also got a cam link for my uh, Canon M50. Okay, nice. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like absolutely blown away. So, and then of course I tried to buy it and it was impossibly expensive because COVID had just started and everybody and their mothers live streaming now and everybody bought these things. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, uh, I didn't get it until 2021 and that's when I started the stream. Right on. Yeah, I, uh, I had that issue with SM7B too. I feel like uh, they're like a little harder to find because it was like in, in the midst of the pandemic. So people right. were probably buying them out for a podcast or uh, you yeah. know, music making. So like I had to go to a couple guitar centers to find it. Uh, but yeah, it's always funny. Yeah, I mean, before COVID, you could get a used one for like 200 bucks, something like that. I, I don't know if these hand, prices still exist. Yeah, no. I, got, I got impulsive. I just went to your channel to see your stream. I like the background. I like all the keyboards and stuff. That is all your stuff, right? Uh, so that's actually a friend's studio. I just stream wherever I am, I'm at. Um, oh, okay. So, and that's where you find yourself on Fridays? That's where I was finding myself for a few weeks. And then uh, the black background is another locale. So it's like pretty much wherever I can set up where I'm at. Because I do like traveling. And I don't let that be an excuse to not stream. There's actually a stream I did while camping out of my Prius last summer. Oh, cool. Where I literally stream in the back of I my remember car. that. I don't think I was able to watch it. But I do remember you doing that. That might have been my favorite. Just to pull that off. <laughs> that, that'd be more fun than… Yeah. Um, I always wanted to do, when I was younger, like a car podcast. Where it was just me driving somewhere. But, you know, I had the mic and mm -hmm. I'm doing all that. But then… You know, I feel like I'd be more distracted. If I was driving personally, I'd be like, oh, anyways, <laughs> guys. And then I'd, you know, yell at some guy for going too slow or something. I don't know. <laughs> it just turns into the um, rage show. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of kind of see that a lot here in SoCal, actually. Uh, everyone's impatient and trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Get that LA traffic. It's awful. Um, I forget where I've seen it, but it was a long time ago. But I remember you telling a story about you actually meeting Owl City at some kind of a, I think it was some kind of like a backstage meetup or something. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious about the story behind that. It was her blog. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, that was… Uh... Why did it take you so long to react to that? That's going <laughs> to make me think that the audio got desynced when I listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, on your blog you wrote about meeting him. He had a beard. Um, he was wearing that uh, that scare shirt that he wears all the time. That that flannel shirt that he wore a lot. Yeah, legendary. <laughs> Those the days. Yeah, I mean, around that time, I I think I was twelve or something, just learning guitar, just trying to get recording set up. That mentor I had mentioned, his name's David, who was giving me bass lessons. He, he knew I was super into Owl City and basically living in Buffalo, the average situation that happens for touring bands is that if they go to Toronto, they legally cannot play within a two-hour radius of each show to optimize, you know, the distance and make it make sense. So mm -hmm. I'm in Buffalo in the U.S., and they will prioritize Toronto over that because it's a larger city. 
So all of these tours would always skip Buffalo and go to Toronto. And that wasn't always feasible because that was like two hours away. It's a different country. Like, yeah. So that wasn't that. It's like, oh, it's only two hours away. But it's like, well, (laughs) you got to cross borders. And I don't know how that all works when I was like 12. So, and you got to get lodging. And so that kind of, those logistics are more difficult when you're really young. And so it was all things bright and beautiful tour. And I was really really into the fan base at that point. I Not so much on the Ocean Eyes, but all things bright and beautiful. I was more active on the internet and following that. Right. And yeah, so got tickets. They were 10 bucks. <laughs> Legendary. No, I don't think you ever see tickets that cheap now. I and haven't, though. No. We had actually, his friend had a radio show and we were actually trying to interview him and coordinating with the management, but it actually wasn't able to happen due to like scheduling things or something. So they're like, hey, you guys can have some meet and greets. And like, I just, 12-year-old me just like <laughs> exploded. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so we drove to Cleveland. And that was also like two hours. But yeah, he took me to nice. see him and got to meet him before the show. And That's so cool. Yeah, that yeah. really, just like meeting someone that inspired you so much, literally never after that, I never questioned, like, can I get music to work out? Like, can I get mm-hmm. songs to a level I want? Like, it's just seeing the fact that someone did that. Not even to be like, oh, because he wasn't trying to be famous. But just, like, you have music in your head. It you want to make music. You want to make something a little different than everyone. There's not quite this thing. And to see someone pioneer this model, really, of the industry. Of that you can really just be yourself. Have interface with an audience. Be authentic. And release things and uh, and make it happen. So, yeah, that was really impactful. And I think I like gave him like a Blink One Eighty Two bracelet, and he was like, "Oh, we're right on stage," on. but he didn't. But it's okay. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> he ended up being uh, a big Blink fan because not only would you expect that from someone like him, mm-hmm. but uh, I got into Blink on my own after Owl City. So I, I just thought it's really cool that hey, I know he already likes Blink, so that's kind of like a fun fact. And obviously, Mark Hoppus. Uh, featured yeah. on a dementia. Uh, but yeah, as you're saying, like, I, you know, it's really inspiring how, you know, he just kind of pioneered, I guess, his own kind of music. And always, mm-hmm. I wish I was able to kind of step out in that kind of, you know, break boundaries that way. I feel like the way I mm-hmm. start and work on a lot of my music is like, okay, what's something I've heard before? Mm-hmm. How do I get that? How do I kind of get that result? And it usually does turn into its own thing. Mm-hmm. But I wish I could like break out of that. I'd be like, I'm just making something I haven't heard before. Right. So that's yeah. always so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the sheer volume of, and how prolific he is and was probably has something yeah. to do with it. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen like hundreds of side projects. Yeah. <laughs> which is just absolutely crazy. And I doubt I've heard Owl it City was just, there's... he said it was just some weekend thing. And obviously it sounds, there's a lot of connections drawn with the Postal Service. No. No, what it was was the tip of the iceberg. Get it? <laughs> Nobody gets it because it was like, the one that he was discovered on, right? You, and all of the rest of his music was hiding underneath the surface. Mm. Yep. I thought that was clever. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. All right. So, <laughs> next question: Do you have any like uh, any tips for like production or singing that you would say are like underrated? Things that people don't think about. Hmm. Ooh. 
Where to begin? I mean, it's really one thing on the production side and mixing. If you're not using headphones, then your monitors are probably lying to you, Mm -hmm. no matter what quality they are, no matter how expensive they are. So really getting some sound panels. It ain't even the monitors. It's the room, you know? That's That's yes, by extension. So it's not very like sexy to invest in acoustic treatment, (laughs) but it really changed a lot of things. And also, I'm literally about to try Sonarworks for my monitor setup here. So I'm very excited to do that. I literally got the mic today, and like (laughs) after this, I'm like gonna be (laughs) doing the beeps and boops for measurement. Yes. um, And then for for singing. Uh, I did have some lessons, but it was not in the pop style that I wanted. But I was like kind of really shy to even do lessons, honestly. That's yeah, why I was cry, like kind of stubborn honest. and wanted to teach myself and didn't want to be like a burden to my parents. <laughs> um, yeah. Although I'm sure they did support me and they never questioned me. But I was like very, yeah, very shy and shy about my needs and my desires. So I was like, well, I'm just going to learn on YouTube and... Uh, mm-hmm. And I found Brett Manning, who's a singing coach for Haley Williams, or was at the height of like Paramore, and just his very simple like lip roll exercises, like tongue trill and lip rolls, where it's like B and P sounds, like that little exercise. Oh, a little bird changed <laughs> changed my voice from literally hurting. After every time I sing, because I'm like, you know, trying to emulate this Owl City sound, it's kind of like blink and it's kind of like punk sounding. And yeah, it's kind of, but when you're really trying to emulate someone else, you're like straining. Pretty much, I learned with singing, I'm no expert here, but it's really been just like peeling back bad habits Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to really learning a lot of new things, just like undoing the things you think you're supposed to be doing to sound good. I bet that's me, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that pretty much singing like a lot. I an artist I got really into after Owl City, maybe five years later was The Weekend, which is like the total opposite kind of world. It's very dark, and Owl City is very. Oh yeah, bright. I meant to ask you th- about yeah. that. He is completely different <laughs> from Adam in pretty much everything. Um, yeah. Uh, yes and no. Yes, in the characters in the world around it, but no in the fact that. It's a character and there's a world around it. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, I meant more in like uh, the actual like style of music. Because mm. Adam, he does not rely on falsetto, whereas Abel heavily relies on falsetto. Yeah. And uh, he's always like drenching his voice in reverb, whereas Adam prefers a more uh, clean and dry tone. Right. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. A similar thing happened... Uh, it was when I think it had a beta of iOS 7 and that was like a big deal because they changed the color scheme to look more like Skittles. <laughs> and they had iTunes Radio, which was like, oh, man. oh this new thing. And yeah. The weekend came on, which R&B and hip-hop was also not out of the question in terms of my musical influences and things I'd listen to. I literally would listen to everything, tons of classic rock and everything. So... Nothing made me feel worse when people would like debate genres and be like, oh, you know, I don't listen to that and that. I just loved everything. So mm-hmm. when I heard uh, one of his tracks came on iTunes radio, it literally hit me in that same way. It literally grabbed me like this is a world and I'm being sucked into it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're putting in this music. Same thing with City, but just totally got me involved in that world and totally lost in it. So 
Yeah. I found him. Yeah, I found him right before Kissland came out, which was like 2013. And then obviously it's been an insane trajectory since wow, then. Wow, that's a long time. I did not realize. Yeah. I thought he'd just burst onto the scene in 2015. So he had released like a mixtape called, I mean, there was different mixtapes and then they put them all together. But House of Balloons, I think, was one of the names. And that was all produced. He's from Toronto, produced with uh, some local producers there and just dropped it on the internet anonymously. And it just blew up. (laughs) And he didn't want to show his face. He's very shy also, which I've seen one interview with him and he's very like soft-spoken and kind of like shy and not very outgoing. So his character is totally opposite, which is crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's also like an introvert and wanted to be anonymous and his music blew up. And so he got signed after that and he made Kissland, which was like anti-commercial, like absolutely not trying to be commercial at all in any way. Just like his first stuff, his early work right before Mm -hmm. that. And then Mm -hmm. after that, the label's like, okay, well... (laughs) Are you willing to like try a little bit here to be more commercial? Yeah. And so that's when they started pairing him up with like Max Martin and Can't Feel My Face. They made that and like blew up. I think I discovered The Weeknd with uh, Starboy, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, that one was a good one. Yeah. The Weeknd, man. They're, uh, it's crazy how big they got. You know, yeah. they were, you know, obviously they were big back then, but mm-hmm. now it's, I'm pretty sure, I don't, I don't know if, I I don't know if they're number one on Spotify, but if he isn't, he's up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It makes me want to look it up like- real quick. I remember that being a thing. Uh, yeah. Number two. Number wow. two on Spotify. That's, That's insane. Crazy. Yeah. And I mean… Who's number one? Is it Ed Sheeran? I don't remember. No, it's not Ed Sheeran. Come on, man. No. Well, one- again, shows you how much I use Spotify. <laughs> is it Linz? <laughs> is, it, is it Linz? Oh, it is, is, it is Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh, it is, it is Ed yes. Sheeran. It is Ed Sheeran. Come on, man. Plot twist. How? I actually do use Spotify. <laughs> I'm actually using it right now. Uh, and I looked that up before he did. And just to gaslight him into. Okay, um, I was going to gaslight you. I, I didn't even think he, I didn't think he was that big anymore. Dude, I don't think you understand how huge Shape of You was. Right. Was but that's but it's beside years. the point. Oh, hit, I yeah, love but his no, story that's, too. That like, was big enough. That put him in Taylor Swift levels. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. his story is incredible Sorry, that too. Just... I, as you can tell, I'm like quite a nerd about learning about other musicians, and I just feel so inspired. And yeah, Ed Sheeran's story is incredible. I'm sure you guys might know, but moved out at 16, moved to London, and literally just played three shows a day for like two years or straight or something, just like couch that's surf. Insane. Yeah. And uh, ended up doing some gigs in LA and <laughs> catching some attention there. So I remember, um, I remember he was in that Beatles movie where, like, where like the world forgets about the Beatles. Yeah, and, like, this guy's like, oh, I'm gonna, and Ed Sheeran is just there. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, <himself>. oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no plot <laughs> twist. Ed Sheeran wrote all the Beatles music. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Imagine. <laughs> Anyways, so recently I saw that you kind of went on a seemed like a pretty big long road trip using your Prius as kind of like your your camper there. Yes, and you know I, I looked like a lot of fun. I was just curious, like kind of like the story behind that, and I'm just wondering if it inspired any music being on the road and seeing all kinds of different sites. Yeah, so what have it? Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I got a Prius, other than the fact that 
you know, <laughs> saves a lot on gas money, which I knew that might go up in the I, next I, I couple bet, years. I bet you're happy now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, who's laughing over now? Over here in California. <laughs> yep, I bet that was a big investment. Yeah, gas is $6 a gallon over 6 to 7 as we speak in yeah. this current, current point in time. But this was, this was Hi, a few years ago. 440 where I am. Nice. But I don't even have a car, so I don't even... <laughs> 440 is still, like, like, expensive. Like, I've opted out of the machine ugh. entirely. Um, well, would you rather pay 440 or would, or oh, would yeah. you rather pay 637? But, but when COVID started, it was, like, 370 a gallon. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. Actually, gas went down to, like, a dollar on the Native American reservations near Buffalo, which is crazy during really? that really, like... Yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, we're seeing crazy pricings, but, yeah... Part of the reason I got a Prius is because of the gas mileage, but yeah. also it's one of the few cars that you can run climate control safely and leave it on overnight. Okay. Because right of the hybrid technology. Wow. Other cars, your 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 battery would die, but since the car is naturally a generator, the engine will only kick on when it needs to. And yeah. so this makes it the perfect camping car. So you actually don't think it's that big, but I have like six feet of sleeping space in the back when you put the seats down. It's completely flat. And then because of this generator system, it makes it excellent as a generator. So I actually yeah. hooked up a power inverter in the back of the car. Because that's actually where the 12 volt is. Most cars, it's under the hood. So I have power within the car. It's like a 1500 watt pure sine wave inverter, which means I can plug in electronics safely. I can run a microwave off my car. I literally have an Instant Pot in there that runs off the car in a fridge. No way. <laughs> and those can all run while it's driving. And I went through the desert on the 10. In the, in the U.S., for anyone that doesn't know, that's like the lowest, literally huge highway you can take. And that goes through like El Paso and Austin, Texas. and Yeah. Okay, Texas is huge is one thing I learned. <laughs> yeah, true. And I could sleep very comfortably because I could keep the AC on overnight. And yeah. uh, I had some great cushions set up. I built custom window inserts that kept everything completely dark and private. And I had windows tinted. Mm-hmm. And really thought about everything. And it also doubles as a prepper rig in case of societal collapse. I literally could like run off my car and <laughs> yeah, power. You could literally power a household fridge. Actually, in some emergency situations where there's been big tornadoes that have shut off power, people have actually used the Prius in this way for powering fridges and cooking and different things. So, yeah, that, I was like, this is the perfect thing. <laughs> yeah. So, now they have yeah. the uh, the new F one fifty lightnings that they could power your entire house if like there's mm. a hurricane or something you just use your truck as yes. a generator. It's so cool that technology is going oh, to that. Cool. But I, I didn't expect that from that a Prius. Too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, my car's a two thousand nine and it can do all this. So really, the technology's been around, and but people yeah. just be like, ah, Prius looks dumb. But like, well, you didn't know yeah. you could run your fridge off of this and you can live <laughs> out of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically like the van life movement, although kind of like on a micro scale. And what was really great, another thing about the design that makes it work really well is there's a huge space under the trunk. Instead of traveling with a suitcase, I just literally use that as a dresser and put all of my clothes in there. And I shower at like Planet Fitness. And yeah, really, it was very, I did quite a stealth rig. I didn't have any like things on top of the car, like bikes and, and whatnot. So... I could really How long were you out for? So, like, was it like a while or were you like taking breaks? 
My original plan was to literally just go around the whole U.S., uh, but mm-hmm. it actually ended up going from Virginia to California. So I didn't get up to the— I really wanted to like see Seattle and the Pacific Northwest Yeah, and all that area. I haven't been there, but— It's nice. Yeah, ended up ended up finishing in California and then kind of prompted me to like move back out here. So— Yeah. But I've never yeah, lived, I remember, lived um, out in NorCal, but— yeah. You were in California for a bit, but then moved somewhere else for a while, if I remember yeah. correctly, right? And then came back? Yeah, so, yeah, I moved to L.A. when I was, like, 18 or 19. Okay. And I did this music production school called Create. I don't believe it's still open. It was a month-long boot camp, and that was in L.A. And just found a place month-to-month after that. And was there for around two years. Mm-hmm. And was meeting a lot of different artists as as a lot of the— Things I was also doing was producing for other artists. So that's a whole other side gig that I do. And mixing and just making a lot of friends. And then around two years, it's like, I was like, man, I really miss nature. And I didn't even know that I did. And this was like, I kid you not, like three months or four months before COVID happened. Yeah. And ended up just aligning itself to move to Virginia with my friends and just kind of get like this cabin mountain house. That's probably and, good timing. And in the Blue Ridge Mountains with the most like, unbelievably quaint town and just absolutely gorgeous. And and then COVID happened. And I was like, mm-hmm. part of the reason I left was because I was like, well, I can do like all my remote production work and all my work remotely. So I don't need to be in LA right now. And then bam, literally like the whole world yeah. switches to virtual. And I was Ooh. like, that is insane timing. <laughs> Yeah, right. So I didn't really feel that, like, oh, I left L.A. It means I'm giving up. Like, that whole mental script that people say you should feel if you leave L.A. if you're a musician. I was like, this is perfect. I get my own studio space. And yeah. and that's, yeah, that's when I started streaming from out of there. So that's, that early streams look, look different because I was in Virginia. And, yeah, now mm-hmm. I'm actually in the Bay Area, which is a place that I've always wanted to— I've always actually wanted to live, and my sibling lives out here in the tech mm-hmm. scene. And I'd come to visit all the time in high school, and I thought it was just so dreamy. <laughs> so that's uh, that's Northern California, right? Yes, that's like the Oakland, Bay, right San on. Francisco. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I'm more, um, I'm so cow, right? I'm actually only like 40 minutes from LA. Okay. And uh, I've seen enough LA where I know I don't want to live in LA. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't get it. Like, yeah. it seems just oh, tough out there. I don't know. No, yeah. Um, but, I, the, I, yeah. but like 40 minutes away, mm, perfect, you know. Yeah. It's not LA, but you could drive to it, no problem. Yeah, that is definitely something I see a lot of people do and live out kind of more in nature or like Orange County or the, along those beaches, Laguna yeah. Beach. Like that area is so gorgeous. Absolutely. It's just really worked out for me to kind of, to yeah, get to move awesome. in up here and keep my costs down and have my own space. I'm like, well, you know, I can go to LA whenever so I it's want. So it's not expensive up there? It, it is, but it, I'm actually just yeah. in like a house that's like super shared, but also divided okay. into different situations. So... It's like shared yet private, which is like kind of perfect. Gotcha. Yeah. So I've been here like six months. My like my goal in life is my parents finally move out of here, but they move into a place that has like a back house kind of. And I just live there. It's not like I'm officially ready. Because again, it's so expensive to live anywhere. It's like you need like six roommates or whatever. Yes. I don't know if I want to worry about that. Yes. (laughs) That is definitely 
That is definitely the path if you do want yeah. to. But if you can save that money, that's also very... If I could save it, you know, I'll see some kind of gear I want. Right. I need this. <laughs> well, I mean, if you do turn it into a profitable business, then... Yeah, it'd be worth it. can write it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, if we do want to talk a little bit about gear, I mean, I did... I, I really, like, held off on buying things because I was, like, so stubborn. And part of the motto of the recording revolution, at least for beginners, was, like, you don't need this fancy gear. You just need to know what you're doing. You need to, like, develop your ear. Yeah. And and that's, like, super legit. And I, I was super in that camp. I was, like, very adverse to talking about gear or learning about it. But, of course, but gear's fun. you know, you start to learn <laughs> about it and get inspired by it. But keeping it in perspective, not from the place of lack, but from the place of like, what could I make with this and be inspired by it? So yeah. this week I really went into like a mixing wormhole and learned about the new latest plugins that there are like Track Spacer <laughs> and um, Golfoss, which I got an emulation, a different version of it. But basically Track Spacer, I saw this, this artist called Pusher made a YouTube video on like how they mix and their stuff is super in the line of like, EDM, but kind of pop, like vocal music, pretty much right up my alley. And I was like, wow, mm -hmm. someone that's making like these crazy good mixes, posting a video on like how they really did it. Because not lumping the recording revolution in with this, but I watched a lot of mixing tutorials this week, but then I'd actually Google who's behind it and listen to their stuff. And like, surprisingly, a lot of it didn't sound that great. So now I'm really trying to be mindful of like the source of like who's teaching things online but anyway yeah so i i could hear this guy's music and i was like wow this is unbelievable mm -hmm. and there's a plugin called track spacer which instead of instead of you say one example is instead of using a side chain with a kick and a bass you know try to keep those frequencies clear you can literally put track spacer on the bass and it will use the eq and resample it like 300 times a second to basically do some form of like, it, it pretty much filters out the sound of the bass from the kick to the percentage that you want. It's kind of like okay. this crazy like way to separate out mixes very easily. Uh, and then the other plugin I... is... Um, yeah, I might check that one out, actually. It's, like, and it's very affordable. How much affordable. is that one? That's only $60. 60 that doesn't look too bad. And apparently, as like, as it works in reason. just, like, everybody uh, uses it because it makes mixing way easier. Right. And I just used it for voiceover in a music project the other day. Hmm. Then the other one is, like, a tonal shaper that pretty much tries to move your audio source to, like, the tone of what's pleasing. The, there's a lot of crazy science behind it and there's so many knobs, but if you're not referencing when you're mixing or sometimes even in production, the tone, yeah. you could be wildly off with the tone, especially if your monitoring system isn't like balanced, which is very hard to get in a home studio without Sonoworks, and you're not referencing anything, it's really easy to be like way off with the tone. So obviously it's best to develop your ears, but these tools mm -hmm. can yeah. really help. <laughs> Make it easier. You know, I've been trying to develop my ears for years, and I just can't. <laughs> ears cut and the years. mustard, you know. Yeah, uh, I know. There's a sonar. Uh, was it reference? Sonar works yeah. reference, I believe, for like headphones as yes. well. It's a great option. I do have that. I, I I've been that. meaning to to get that. I know Austin uses it, and again, we both use six fifties, which are good for you know mixing. Mm -hmm. So are those closed back? 
No, they're open. Oh, uh, those are open backs. Oh, yeah, okay. Open as they get. Who is that by? Sennheiser. Okay. Yeah, Sennheiser 650s. I have uh, the. Let's see, what are these? <laughs> sure, SRH 1440s. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had. I had those shirts that actually Adam was using that he posted on with that sure interview. I got those. They ended up breaking right. in the same way. <laughs> really? I guess that's a that was a problem with those. Yeah. Um, but I I just those, did you get it because of Adam uh, in that picture, for example, of like yo that one they look like good headphones. You just happen to have them. Yes, that that was a good you know like hey someone I love their mixes they use these okay, but I also yeah. left my. I left my. I had Audio Technica's, the ATH fifty M M fifty X or something, before, but they were just very heavy, and I had also just left them on a plane, like right at that time that interview oh, came out. Really? And if you leave something on a plane, you probably all know you don't get Not it back. back. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, brutal. So wow. I got those, but I think just closed back just made my ears very fatigued until I found these maybe last year or two years ago, but. uh I didn't open know. I don't know about the, the open backs. I knew there was something with like, I don't know the. I don't remember the specific term, but at the time, maybe the. Or I don't know if your guys' headphones are newer, but at the time, there was only like one other competitor, and you kind of needed a headphone amp, a dedicated headphone amp to, for for the impedance. So, yeah, the six fifties are technically supposed to use them. They're like oh, okay. three hundred ohms, uh, but Austin doesn't use them and you convince me to not use them because it's a pain to have to have an interface yeah. and the uh, headphone amp exactly. slash stack uh, on my desk. But honestly, Yeah, they, so that's actually fine. why I went with these because yeah. the impedance was lower, but they're quite bright, but Sonarworks really does a good job. It fixes it for you. Yeah, for you. Yeah, I know there's uh, I know there's headphones with like 600 ohms. Like we wouldn't be able to drive them at that point with our interface. There's just no way. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what that... Not using a headphone amp would do. And at that point, mm-hmm. I was like only working with headphones really. Now I'm finally just starting to use monitors more. But yeah, Sonarworks definitely awesome for headphones. And I can let you guys know how it works with monitors because I can try yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep, true. Uh, yeah, I've never, um, I never, I don't I even own monitors. Like, admittedly, mm-hmm. I just use headphones in my car yes. for everything. Oh, yes. The Prius. I, I rely on my car, car a lot because that's where I listen to music to the most. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. It's a way, great way to get Absolutely. a gauge of what's going on. Yeah. Like, a few weeks ago, I I got this, it's called a pitch or a brief. Mm-hmm. And so I have my music partnered with a sync agency to try and partner it with film and television. And they sent in a request that they needed a specific type of song that they didn't have. And I had two days to make it if I wanted to. <laughs> oh. And I went for it because it was totally up in my wheelhouse of like indie pop. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, so the first day, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Mike Monday, but he's an amazing coach for helping musicians make a lot more music and systematize it. Yeah. And one of his things is called splurging. So you just come up with like a bunch of short ideas and then decide later which one to pursue. So that first 12 hours, I came up with two very solid splurges that could fit the reference. And then I sent it to 
I sent it to them and I was like, hey, which one do you think I should pursue instead of just guessing wrong? Because you could really yeah. only finish one song in 12 hours if you're doing like everything. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they, they picked the direction, they picked which one they liked. And then the next day, literally wrote the whole thing, produced out the whole thing, did a full-on vocal session. Now, I like, I like to do vocal sessions in a booth. This is thankfully, I learned a lot of this at the music school of getting really professional vocal sounds. Doing it in a booth, I use Logic and I use Logic Remote from my phone to control the session and record, which is very nice. Okay, that's cool. And uh, I prep my session before, so I make all the tracks beforehand. And make sure mm. I'm recording because I've done this whole thing and stepped out and saw nothing was recorded on Logic. So <laughs> literally at 11 p.m., I'm doing a full professional vocal session for the song and then went to bed at 3 a.m., woke up at... 6 a.m. to mix it to have to deliver it by 8 a.m. And I was out in my car trying to mix the best I could after, but I was so tired. <laughs> like, you really can't. Do you mix hear it. in your car ever? I did. So, this whole story came up because I bounced out. I was in Ableton and I just had to stay in Ableton. I have no time to do anything anywhere else. So, yeah. thankfully, you can, when you freeze in Ableton, it freezes all your plugins. And I had UID stuff and dongles. And so I just froze everything and then just took my Mac out to my car and was like mixing in my car at like 6 a.m., like nice. <laughs> trying to get this track done. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Not sure about, you know, if they're going to use it or not, but I just love actually, crazy deadlines do, yeah. like that, actually. Actually, made Paper Skies in a similar way. That's a great one, yeah. So, yeah. And plug for the new M1 Pro. Really life-changing. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. Change the subject just a bit. 8020s or phosphors? 8020s or... What was that? Phosphors. I'm not familiar with this myself. These are guitar strings. Oh. So, I guess it doesn't matter to you. Oh. <laughs> Well, I use, um, for my acoustic guitar, I've really just used anything via Elixir, really, for the longevity. I think yeah. me too. And sometimes it's a NanoWeb and sometimes PolyWeb, but really just, the strings just don't rust, like, overnight, and they keep mm-hmm. their tone. So I really haven't even tried that much else. I've just used that. But I do know those two, PolyWeb and NanoWeb, have a different tone. Um, I know I'm overdue to change my string, so. Uh, I just yeah. changed mine the other day, actually. Oh, it feels it feels I'm, like washing your car. It's like something you should do more often, but. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely yeah, right. You're, I never thought of it like that. You're spot like, on um, with that. But it feels so good. You know, I, I also don't like yeah. washing my car either. If, <laughs> yeah. if I had a car, I, I don't I wash like my car. I, I usually outsource that one. That rain will never wash your car completely. Uh, Ray, we have a guy at very work reassuring. Now that, that not California. <laughs> Anyways, you should just necessary. know that rain isn't the best for your car, man. I get hit by sprinklers a lot, but I don't want to have a huge sprinkler car talk right now. Um, <laughs> I don't. I'm not good enough at guitar to like. I don't record very much of it, and when I do, it's usually electric, so I don't really have to endure mm. that whole like. Ah, about to record. Got to mm-hmm. replace my strings first. Right. Um. These are talking about mixes of bronze, though. Phosphor is 92%, uh, copper 8%, whatever the other thing is, and then 80-20 is obviously 80% copper, 
Probably pure so, gold. Yeah. Huh? yeah, only gold strings. pure gold strings. <laughs> just, I just use 24 gold. carat strings. <laughs> Very 24 carat strings. <laughs> That's... Uh, it's diamond encrusted at the top too to get that real gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might even have a mismatch of strings on my guitar right now because I think one of the strings broke and I just had this other one. Mm. So yeah, oh, that's yeah, I uh, definitely get that. I definitely get that. <laughs> but you, you could see the different colors like, on my guitar before I replace the strings the other yeah. night. You could see the different colors. Yes. The G string was a different color. Yes, I think that's <laughs> the same string that mine is different. That's brutal. Yeah, mine's overdue uh, for that. Especially, I mean, I I would think about changing them more if I was recording more guitar right now, but currently I'm not, so yeah, kind of just <laughs> not a priority. I heard somewhere you're supposed to do like every like three months or something like that, um, which mm. I don't know. I mean, I try to replace them once in a while. You know, I don't play enough guitar these days, but like I remember the other week, I just looked at my uh, ES-333. I'm like, I haven't replaced those in forever, and I just sat down and replaced them. Didn't really touch it after that, but I just, I felt like I had to do it, and I felt good afterwards. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, if, if we want to move on, I was curious uh, what your approach of starting a new song is for you, you know, whether or not you're working on, like, instrumentals or any vocals, both, uh, you know. Like, what's kind of, how do you get started? I mean, my process changes, Definitely a lot of the music I've released was, so far, was sitting down with my acoustic guitar and starting a song. Often, we'll try to get the whole thing done in like a single session or single day. That right was my old method. My most recent release that's original on Spotify is Waiting. And that one started in Ableton as a beat. I started with the beat and then wrote out the track, the rest of the track and the, and the, the chorus. But now, yeah, right now I have a whole new method where every time I sit down to work on music, I come up with a new chorus and then decide later, in large part thanks to that Mike Monday method. So I have a whole Trello board, and every day that I work on music, which I try to do like, you know, at least three times a week to, to do sessions, I yeah. just come up with a new chorus. And I know a lot of people struggle to finish tracks, but I actually used to struggle a lot with coming up with ideas because I put so much pressure on myself of like, come up with a song and I have to finish the whole thing and I have to produce the whole thing and I have to... Like, I don't know. I didn't get this whole concept of you could just have songs you don't release, but I just thought maybe it's just because you only... You know, with an artist, you just see what they've released and they're like, I don't know. You just don't really know. So mm -hmm. now I sit down and I come up with a chorus. I just start with the chorus... And recently it's been lyrics, but some days I sit down and I'm like, I don't feel like coming up with lyrics. But I really try to start with melody and maybe just like some loop. Just starting with the hook, starting with the chorus, and then evaluating rationally later. And I think just the quality of what I'll be releasing after because of this new method is just next level because now I really can write out and finish the songs that I decide that are the strongest. Mm -hmm. instead of just whatever is there. And it feels a lot more intelligent of a way of working and knowing where to focus my time, especially right now, kind of doing everything myself. So I respect that. It makes me want to try that myself. Yeah, and it takes the pressure off because I just yeah. I said it. I use the Pomodoro technique a lot, actually, where you work for 25 minutes, take a five-minute break, and I track all of the work I do. I'm kind of a nerd with it, but... It's it's nice to see like where your month went, and yeah, 
You track it? You like mean, an Excel like you sheet or something? Down? No, no. So it's digital. I have a Pomodoro app that syncs with Trello. And so all of my Trello tasks are synced with this app that I can sit and track my time. And it also like ding when it's time for a break. And this literally eradicated like any procrastination issues I used to have. I'm it's just the doing biggest procrastinator in the world. That makes me want to seriously. Like it's that. just like, and so the idea of like this blank slate syndrome of blank page really has gone away because it's like okay, I'm setting a timer for 25 minutes, and I'm gonna try and make a whole chorus idea in that time, and then not listen to it for a week. And so you really get into this effective method of creation and you're separating out the creator creator from the editor. And yeah, it took a lot to get to this point. I uh, felt like I was creatively blocked for quite a long time, even yeah. while releasing things, just because I feel like creating is kind of like a spiritual thing and can have emotional blocks and you really have to get into flow and what's blocking flow. And so... Yeah, hundred percent. A lot I of like I've lot been on of that things boat. and resources I went through, and just even mental health. You know, a lot of things are tied up in creation, and yeah. But that's my most recent iteration of the system. Have yet to release a track using this, but I did release. Actually, no, I did release a demo that I made with the system called "Just Want to Be Yours," and I released an audio recording on YouTube. And literally, mm-hmm. at the end of it, the host was like. Can you sing that again? Because can you sing the chorus again? Because I heard people singing along and harmonizing, and so I sang it again, and the whole crowd is harmonizing along to the song that they just heard awesome. for the first time. And I was like, "This is you know, a sure <laughs> sign that this method is really working." <laughs> yeah, you know, we didn't write this question now, but that that reminded me. Like, I'm curious. You know, I do see you do live stuff. Like, is that nerve wracking for you? Like, how do you kind of get yourself up there? I feel like I would cry. In front of everyone. I'm like, hey guys, I'm just going to cry here for 20 minutes before I get started. <laughs> I think it was because I I wasn't making music for years and then decided to start performing. Like I said earlier, my first performance was literally just because I didn't want to go on stage with my mom. <laughs> and just jumped into it without thinking, which… That's the best way to do it, probably. Ironically, I have a tendency to overthink everything and… Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of creators have. So the fact that I kind of jumped into performing without having a chance to overthink it Mm -hmm. and then do it a lot, like probably hundreds of times and tons of like, tons of recording in the studio and tons of doing it in front of people in a low pressure way, I think helps a lot. Coffee shops, like things that where people aren't paying to see you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, it's funny. Um, like the, the the idea of singing, you know, like that and like being live, like scares me beyond belief. But like, if I'm at like a, my favorite artist's concert, I can easily sing in front of everyone. Because I'm not actually in front of everyone, to yeah. be fair. But like, I have no issue, and like, I get that like that high you get. You know, it's Tom DeLonge or it's Adam Young on stage yeah. in front of my eyes. It's amazing feeling. Yeah, I, I feel like I wouldn't yeah. be able to. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't be able to sing live like that unless you know the label hits me. I was like, all right. You're going Hollywood. Got to do it. I'm like, well, I'm, this is my life now. Mm-hmm. That'd be the way I'd be able to really push myself. But man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know, I know some... Adam had to right. jump into it like that too. Like, 
for the most part. Like I, I think he did some smaller shows with this other bands, uh, with his friends, but never to that capacity, you know. Mm-hmm. So if he, I always think if he can do it, and you know, I know he's really introverted and shy, then I could probably do it one day. Oh yeah, I totally get it because music is what like is really what gave me confidence because I was also I used to play ice hockey and I went through a whole year without hockey. Ice anyone. hockey, really? Um, yeah. It's <laughs> cool. And yeah. and I was just super shy and just wanted to always be in the background, but for some reason, just like playing Owl City songs just was something that I just loved genuinely so much that nothing else mattered. Like, that just made me happy. I didn't need, like, the audience to respond a certain way. When you're, like, genuinely doing it for yourself, and and keeping in mind, like, you are there to be entertaining and, you know, provide value for the audience. But yeah. having mm-hmm. a really rational, you know, view of it, I think helps keep fears at bay and... Also, one trick I discovered is if you're not at the level of having big professional in-ear monitors, which I am not, I, I, uh, I, I like to get put an earplug in. So you know how if you like plug your ears in a loud room, you can always hear uh, yourself? Right. So I put an earplug in, and then I can that tell helped. my pitch regardless of the monitoring setup. And so far, that's worked. That really changed the game, actually. Yeah. So part of the reason I definitely want to get in-ear monitors, like not necessarily soon, but professional ones, is because my ears are very particular and shallow. And mm. it's basically impossible to get any like ear tip in my ear to like fit, yeah. you know, whether it be like, you know, AirPods, like any of their, their mm. tips will never fit. I actually got memory foam ones that are the best fitting, but for my right ear, it still just isn't quite, right. it doesn't seal it in there. I want to get custom made ones just so I can finally have like earphones, like they're in my ear. Right. That's even possible at this point. But, oh, yeah. But yeah, for that reason alone, you know, some people just don't even wear any kind of monitoring. It's like, they don't realize the damage it does to your ear. Like, oh. You know, you can never fix that once it's exactly. too late. Yeah. This, you know, that's funny that you bring that up because this week I made the leap and I got molded for custom earplugs. Really? How did that go? Like, where do you, where do you do that? Like, you have to just, do you go to some place or you talk to like your primary doctor? Like, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, you would that. go to audiologist. Okay. And they put this thing way deep in your ear to protect your eardrum. And then they literally fill it up with this mold, this goopy stuff that just hardens in like five minutes. Okay. And then they send it to the best best company in the U.S. is Sensophonics, and you can literally mm-hmm. get this done. I mean, for the price of this in California with the impressions and the custom earplugs, and you can pick the level of filtering you want, although you can actually change it and get multiple ones, was only yeah. $300, which I thought— I never did it because I thought it would be like $1,000. Yeah, that's not too bad. Earplugs never fit me, so this is— yeah. Every concert I've ever been to has actually been really stressful because it's too loud yeah. for me. <laughs> I just do, uh, what do they call it? Earplugs, right? They, I mean, they aren't perfect, but they still like, you can squeeze them down and kind of get them in there for mm-hmm. shows. But I just but, learned know, how narrow if actually like, playing. my ears were. And they're like, yeah, there's no yeah. way those fit. And I'm like, I'm not crazy? Whoa. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I, so I guess it sounds like we're kind of on a similar boat in that regard. Um yeah, I can't. Yeah, wait. that's that's always fun. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. Do you think that's something I should like wait for until I actually go out to get monitors, or is that like something I should? These just, are like, different. Have and, like, I don't so, know if that's like data they can have available. 
uh, so these that are that I can use later. These are actually just earplugs. Right. So gotcha. In ear monitors is like a whole wireless system which you're doing your own shows and so I I don't I don't even have gotcha. that. But these this is like you're going to concerts. Yeah. You're seeing DJs and it's way the heck too loud. <laughs> so if you if you wanted to get custom monitors, like do you have that molding or like the data for the molding where you'd be like, all right, this is what I need, so you guys can make that ear tip for me, or would you still have to go and do that again? Uh, I believe. Out of curiosity. Hmm. Well, I know this this person that I'm working with. They also create in ear monitors, but they're specifically an audiologist for musicians. But you by okay. far they're just in California. Well, actually, you're in California. I can. Send you who I'm working with because they're often right. in that area. But yeah. Uh, okay. So I thought these scans, I thought it was all going to be digital because actually I made this complicated and I heard about like the best earplugs you can get in Europe. And so I like placed an order for this European company and, and I'm like, oh, wait, these molds are literally physical molds. They send yeah. the physical mold to the company. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> So yeah, I just I ended you. up canceling that and just went with this local one. But they all they all meet cool. the same specifications. So okay. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. I'm going to a concert tomorrow and I don't have them yet. And I'm like, oh. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Hopefully, right? But um, <laughs> all right. Well, we got another question for you. And let us know if we're holding you back. I know it's getting a little later in the, in the whole podcasting game. Uh, but no, we're curious really. if you have any like big hopes for the future. Like I guess like big goals that you're kind of like… I guess I guess you're overarching. Like I hope to achieve this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point, or like any dream collabs you yeah. want to do, or new genres you want to branch out to. Hmm. I've been really reflecting on the idea of. I think a lot of musicians had this idea of like, oh, well, I need to get assigned and I need to get this big label behind me. Mm-hmm. But in reality, now a label won't even like touch you until you're already like blowing up. Yeah, so it's, you have to manufacture your own. That's actually really empowering because I have been doing the DIY route and just kind of, you kind of see DIY artists and then you see, oh, the label artists. But to realize DIY is kind of a precursor to that now is actually really empowering. So that's kind of a little side tangent, but uh, I've been learning a lot about this recently. But in terms of dream collabs, I mean… <laughs> Obviously, mm. Adam Young. Even if yeah, it was obviously. in the sense of like a mentoring sense. Like, I don't know if he oh. had ever like really, if he ever teaches people like that one YouTube video. Yeah. Or, or if one, it was like songwriting or vocal kind of thing. Um, I think my just my natural tone might complement that and blend well. Um, but also, Someone's career that I really also enjoy is Jack Antonoff, where he's producing like for Taylor Swift and as a big time producer, but also has his own artist project where he can do mm-hmm. whatever the heck he wants as bleachers. Um, he was in the band Fun before, if anyone doesn't know who Jack Antonoff is. He played guitar and Fun and then taught himself to produce on the road and during tours. And so I really think... That's very cool, and I'm really thinking about this question for myself actually a lot this week, trying to get clarity on what it is that I want, because now it seems like you really can design whatever you want that career to look like. Um, right. And thinking about like what kind of new content I could do, and 
with the Mike Monday method is just to create an absurd amount of music. So that's really my goal is my goals really changed from like I need to reach this certain level and have this amount of numbers. And I really, <laughs> I really, as we looked at numbers earlier, I'm like I don't even know because I've really shifted my goals to be more personal in terms of how many times did I do a session this week, how many song ideas am I coming up with. Yeah. Kind of those kind of goals that are more process-oriented versus result-oriented, I think does wonders for mental health and like seeing your own progression. And it's less about kind of measuring what happens after that. And uh, Mm -hmm. something that also really inspired me with that is last year or so, I kind of went on a binge of, I hadn't really been like following Owl City that much because he hasn't really done that much in the past few years. But there was a night where I just read some interviews because um, mm-hmm. there was there was a lot that he had done and it's interspersed all throughout the internet. And I was kind of reading for musician advice, like specifically looking for that kind of thing. Overall, I got this, I took away this sense of you know, he's literally doing this because he loves it. And if he woke up without an audience tomorrow, he would still probably hit the studio and be just as happy doing it. Right. And that was so transformative to think because you could just kind of look at pop artists and maybe, you know, if their audience is gone tomorrow, like maybe a lot of them are in it for fame. And that's a big part of it. And it's kind of a catch-22 with music where you can't necessarily be successful with it and be anonymous for very long. So there kind of is that that fame part in it. But I heard someone describe it as an occupational hazard recently, which I, I really enjoy that. Mm, so yeah. really getting into that more personal motivation behind music. Like, what am I truly doing this for? Am I doing it to win over myself? Or am I chasing something, you know, that won't bring happiness in the long term and yeah really coming up with a sustainable philosophy with it because obviously you get musicians that are incredibly successful and that doesn't mean they'll be happy and have solid mental health so yeah a lot of my goals sure. are process oriented these days yeah i feel like my my end result when i'm making a song myself is just like i want it to be something like i could just listen to like mm. I could be like, you know, at work or like on the car. Like I would just throw my own songs because I feel like listening to it and I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's my main goal usually is honestly to please myself. Yeah. Can't please everyone. So, so gotta please. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I You know, my favorite uh, interview or my favorite question Adam was asked um, was something about… Um, someone asked him like, hey, like how'd you come up with the inspiration behind Fireflies? And I'm 110 percent Sure, this is a joke. We said, like, yeah, I was just like, I went out and got some Taco Bell and I came back and I saw some fireflies on the road. And I was like, all right, I'm making a song about that. And oh, I'm, I'm certain that was it a was joke. Awesome. But I, and I went home one. and wrote fireflies. <laughs> it was awesome. So, yeah, I went out and got myself some Taco Bell, got a, a crunchy gordita crunch, whatever they're called. And yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like anytime I complain that I'm not as talented as he is, somebody can just counter with, well, did you go out to Taco Bell at yeah, 3 exact- a.m.? Exactly. Um, no? Honestly, uh, well, then you'll never be as talented <laughs> as him. You're not putting yourself in the same position to succeed as he did. You could say that. I, I also tell myself that, you know, he got his email at 22. And so I have time to kind of be as successful as him. I and don't. By the time I hit 22, I'm going to cry, which is right here now in like I'm a month. 23 and I'm like, oh, <gasps> why did yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> it's too late. No, yeah. but I mean... 
his whole thing is that I personally don't believe he was in it to become famous. Yeah. Like he had a dream of being a professional musician, but I think more in the sense of like, I can sit down in the studio and make anything I want and like not have to go work some other job. Not like, oh, I want to go be a superstar just (laughs) because, you know? Honestly, I'm on the same boat. Like I I just wish that my everyday could be like creating or doing something and not going to work and driving my forklift, mm. you know, you know, that's just not what I want to do. Um, speaking of, I just want to, I just want to say it's a complete tangent off note thing, but yeah, like I've listened to a lot of your music, just kind of like riding the forklift at work, you know, trying nice. to get my stuff done. I've always wanted to tell you that. And I just, I didn't know the way to do it. If I should just be <laughs> like, Hey, guess what? I guess this is the perfect opportunity to bring it up. Like, yeah, I'd just be listening yeah. to Dusk at Dawn while trying to get my work done. Wow. It's just there in the background. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <sighs> um, I like the idea of Extra Reverb being a sounding board of things you've always wanted to tell your fellow producers you never had the chance <laughs> yeah. to. I, I mean, honestly, though, like, uh, that's, that's kind of the idea. You know, if, we, if we we're able to get Tom DeLong on one day or, or God forbid, Adam Young, I'd be like, yeah. hey, so yeah, I'll be doing this. I just want to let you know that, you know, I was out with the boys at Taco Bell at 3 a.m. And I just had a real epiphany listening to uh, the Golden Showers in the Golden State. Uh, uh, don't look up that song, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I don't recommend that one. <laughs> but. No, that's. With that in cool. mind, with that having been said, with that having been said, anything else we want to say? It's going to be my last question. Hopefully it's a quick one real quick. But I was just curious, like, if you have any hobbies outside of music and if you play, like, any video games on the side. Like, Stardew, for example, is a great way for me, honestly, probably find some inspiration. So, I've actually wanted to get more into video games. I have a 2005 Xbox 360 Mm -hmm. that I brought out here that works. As do I. Rockin' the Classics. Yeah. uh, I actually fixed it. Replaced the laser on it last year. Oh, wow. And got that working, but I'm not really avid with that. I would say my hobbies more involve getting away from the screens. Okay. Because I feel I spend so much time in front of the screen, but uh, I've gotten into like house music. I've accepted it. And that kind of DJ side of music recently, but that's still music. But also, I very much enjoy skating. I'm teaching myself skateboarding. Because it's always been a dream to learn. And now I live in California and there's real skate parks. Mm-hmm. But Perfect I've always like it, scootered, yeah. which I still love scootering. And then today I went on an awesome hike in all the redwoods. Just really getting out into nature and camping. <laughs> camping with the Prius. Going to Yosemite next week. That makes me wish I was close to the redwoods. Like I, I've been there once. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a beautiful area. Just Today, just all the fog was going through up on the mountaintops and... That's how pretty much it gets, the, the trees get their water and it's just unbelievably beautiful. So that's yeah. definitely a vibe that you don't get in LA. It's kind of harder to get to nope. nature in that same way when here I can be at the ocean in like 10 minutes. I can go in 10 minutes and be in these beautiful redwoods. So in terms of like mental health and getting out of, away from screens, yeah, I try to actively <laughs> do that. And uh, also learned a little bit of computer programming. Uh, oh, cool. I still haven't really built projects yet, though. So it was more like, I'm learning to code, but haven't really built anything. That's also another screen activity. So, 
I kind of wish I could get into that. Like I did a robotics class in seventh grade. So I like, I, or was in eighth grade, but I did some like really simple programming. It was more just like programming, like these like, they're almost like Roombas. Uh, like mm. for vacuum Roombas, but they're, you know, they don't vacuum. They're, so they're useless. But <laughs> you're like, all right, you start here and you move yourself to this part of the room. Uh, I, would, I, I mean, that'd be really cool to be able to code. I feel like I can really get into projects where like, because I'm not the most creative person and it's hard to like kind of get that out of me. So like, but I'm good at like kind of becoming like a motor and it's like, this is what you do. And I'm just like doing this, this and that. But it's kind of like the same thing. The next thing you know, it's been like four hours. <laughs> that'd be fun. Yeah, I did a, <laughs> same as I like boot camps, but I did a boot camp called 42 out in the Bay Area. And that was two years ago in the mm-hmm. summer. And basically it was a full, full on learn C, which is like the most fundamental programming. It is the most, most kind of fundamental programming language you can get to before you're working with literally ones and zeros and machine code. And yeah. it was designed to be as hard as possible on purpose to kind of teach you first principles. And if it's kind of like, if you learn this, then you'll understand any other language because it's just building on top of this. And there was no teachers. And every day you got new instructions and new questions. And there was videos from kind of the teachers, but it was poorly translated from French because the, oh. the, the they were based in France. And yeah. it was just designed to be like impossible. And uh, sure. And then the, the questions were insanely hard. And then it, it got harder for each question. And then if you had an extra space on your third question, then it's marked wrong. And then everything after that's automatically wrong. So I don't know. Really? I just intentionally like did that. And uh, I haven't really built projects since then. But I really, I'm just really want to figure out a way to integrate it with music instead of feeling like mm-hmm. I'm working on this completely different thing. I don't know, but hey, you know what? That's kind of go a starty route. Like the guy who who made the game, like he composed the music. He did everything mm. himself, actually, and kind of like music was his main, you know, thing. But he was, you know, he also learned programming on the side. Right, and he's, that was kind of his outlet. But like I can make this music for this game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, um, yeah, it's not so different because all of the software we're working with is programmed Mm -hmm. and the whole future of computers are just you know especially with this new architecture with m1 and m1 pro and the unified memory we're going to see the insane levels of computations that we can make plugins and music software with and literally like ai is a whole wormhole and i'm sure we'll have like ai mixing and mastering and so i mean i've been using related uh, (laughs) my mastering i've been using uh it's called area bot or something yes. like that uh it's like a robot that i think uses like hard yeah it uses like hardware gear i believe yeah to, uh, master your music i've been using that from the last couple songs actually awesome so i did that on I, like I the, the, the trust future. me uh oh, that's that's trust me project i use that yeah yeah that sounds really well, good i don't know how to make things that loud so <laughs> i'm focusing yeah. on the mixing well austin i don't know if you have any last minute questions that you can think of uh, that you might want to ask? I've been thinking for about five minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> you have steel-toed shoes? Okay, well... I do not. Uh, as you can, as you guys can tell, <laughs> we've about run out of questions to ask Linz, who has done a wonderful job of uh, helping us fill the time and then some 
of the yes. hour episode. Thank you. Ooh. Plenty of content. Thank you so much. Oh, for one coming quick on. thing. I'm uh, just one very last footnote. I'm just curious, like, what music are you currently listening to? What am I currently listening to? Yeah, like, what's kind of like on your uh, recently played Spotify for the longest time now? No, he means what are you playing in the background right now as you're recording? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have some Berlin Tech House by like Nine Toes. I have my friend Carly Lusk. Uh, she's released some new music. I have some Beach Boys, Harry Styles. Beach Boys, okay. Um, some Organic House, Adele. <laughs> like it's kind of all over in my recently liked songs. Panic at the Disco. Some throwbacks with different things, but overall, right on. Definitely the Japanese house. I've been discovering that project recently. Have you ever listened to Capsule? Uh, I don't think so. Any music rep- recommendations? Definitely throw my way. Uh, I mean, I only really listen to Angels and Airwaves. If you ever get into that boat, you know it's more space rock kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy as uh, Blink One Eighty Two, actually. Yes. That, or you know, Tom DeLong. He's okay. doing that now. Sweet. Yeah, I would say Capsule, um, Perfume, both produced by the same guy. You mentioned getting into Japanese house. Both of them are kind of offshoots of that. Um, okay. And uh, other than that, I can't really think of anything I would. 100% just throw your way that you probably haven't heard before. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, South City, I guess. And the weekend's new. Yeah, I'm sure we've listened to epic. it all. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I followed Lens on both Instagram and Twitter. I highly recommend that everybody listening to this does the same thing. Yep. And, <laughs> I try to be entertaining. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on again. Like, you know, I've been really looking forward to this. I yeah. wanted to get you on the podcast one day. So it was great to have you. And I, I know I really am a big fan of your music. Uh, oh, it's, it's out of curiosity. Like, I, I was wondering if you're like working on a new album at all or if it's just more just kind of trying to figure out your way into like innovating new music. Yeah, right now. Uh, so my plan is to get an EP's worth of songs together. And mm-hmm. I want to write like... 10 times that amount and pick the best yeah. ones. That's my current plan. And then I'd release those okay. one by one. Yeah. So right now I'm just trying to make an absurd amount of ideas to draw from. I got And you. really get... Cool, cool. Yeah, I can't And build to... a team around my music because I have been doing everything myself. But yeah. I just would love to involve other mix engineers. and. I just rely on Austin. Produ- I've been collaborating more with other producers and songwriters and... People really help you refine out your ideas. So, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. about it. If you want any, uh, if you ever need like some mixing tips, you know, mm-hmm. Austin is great. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, that's that. I'm just going to suggest that. I mean, he's, that's, that's, he's my guy. Nice. <laughs> the only thing I would say is I've now said this on every single episode that we've had since we came back. Have you ever heard of a plugin called Newfangled Saturate? Uh, no, but I learned all about saturation this week, so I want to know. Nice. Technically, this is not saturation, even though you're right. That is a very helpful tool. Um, this is something completely different. So do you know a limiter, right? Mm-hmm. Hard limiter, it, it just bricks off the sound, right? Yeah. Completely bricks off the sound waves, turns it into square waves. If you do it hard enough, uh, it will begin to distort because it turns all the uh, sound waves into square waves, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, this is a Newfangled Saturate is a clipper plugin mm. that basically does what a limiter does, except it artificially redraws the shape of the waveforms below the threshold, which leads to very little effects, mm. very clean limiting, and um, very little clipping, unless you just really drive it. And I use that on everything now. It is designed to like be used on like every single track by itself, and then every bus, and then the master bus. Mm. Like literally everything. So applying limit would... Would you be driving it as as a limiter on each track, or you're just kind of using it for that redrawing? Is that why you do it on each track? No, I'm saying like the redrawing allows you to use this as a limiter mm -hmm. without having to worry about the sound waves being mm -hmm. bricked off and turned into square waves. That sounds amazing because it, it's doing that. It's it's maintaining the shape of the waveform. Mm -hmm. That's cool. It's really clean. Yeah. I was so impressed when I saw it that I went out and dropped 50 bucks on it, which I never do. Mm. I never go out and like just drop that money on those plugins. Yeah. Ask Jacob, like I've been playing with a plugin called Sooth 2 for the last yeah. three weeks. And I liked it. I, I thought it helped a little bit, but was it worth $220? Nah. Yeah. Did you buy it? No. Oh. No, no. I just uh, did a I trial I was watching to... AB of Sooth and basically learned that if you do a little bit extra work, you can use Track Spacer as a Sooth type of tool. You can run the source. Yeah, into that plugin itself. is cool. I definitely want to. I definitely want to look into that. Very awesome. So I I've been using that on the latest mix that I do have coming out soon. Got to pick a date, but that's with my friend Christian. And yeah, yeah. You mentioned you like. You you make music too. I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, that's what we do here. We make music, all of us. Uh, the podcast thing is actually a side thing. Like we all make music. Um, I've been doing that since I was uh, before I was born. Twelve. <laughs> before yeah. I was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. If you wanna, if you ever wanna collab, we're here. You know where to find us. And of course. Actually, if you if you guys don't know, Lindsay and I have a song together called Christmas Wish. If you want to check it out, it's oh, true, old, yeah. our good old boy I, I Michael Drake. You guys love that guy. Got to get him on the podcast one day. If you ever want some Christmas spirits <laughs> in the middle of Christmas in July? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes you get in the mood, you know, to listen to all the uh, Owl City Christmas music. And you're like, dang. Yeah, you're like, why do I wait till December to relocate to turn it on? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But then I'll forget yeah. about it. It's like, ah, Christmas passed. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we release that after Christmas? Yeah, it was like two weeks after. But And then I was like, you know what, guys? It's We're keeping the Christmas spirit going. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be ready for next year. It doesn't matter. Advent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways. All right. This is now the fourth time that yes. I'm trying to close this episode. <laughs> because... I am not in Pacific Standard Time. I am in Eastern Time and it's almost midnight. Really? Nice, okay. It's the weekend. But yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. All the links for Lens's stuff will be in the description. Yeah, be sure to check her out. Guys. And uh, we'll see you in the next you. episode. Whenever, wherever, it'll show up. Eventually, we'll show up with somebody else. Yeah, hopefully I get the guest star on the next one too. Yeah, root for it, guys. Root for it. <laughs> um, Drop one like and I'll do it. Uh, 10 likes and we'll bring Jacob back. 
Wait, no, not 10. Please, no, one. <laughs> we may not hit 10. I don't know. Not with an attitude like that. We will definitely hit 10. All right. All right, see you guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.